Dr. Grant. My dear Dr. Sattler. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Hey, cassettes. Welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. <laughs> Hi! Hey! <laughs> We're three old raptors, learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. I didn't even have to point at you guys. I checked. Yeah, I, know. I was so checking good. the script to make yeah. sure you wrote raptors. I sure did. Yes. I almost, when I was introducing myself, just did a roar instead. Uh, Could you do that roar now? Let's hear it. Perfect. I thought there was one in the room. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> This week, we are wrapping up the month of June. Our original plan was to have three episodes featuring some big movie reptiles. But up to now, it's been about all things dragon. Yep. Movie yeah. reptiles turn into dragons. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean. It wasn't our fault, though. We just picked movies we liked, and they happened to be dragon movies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this week is a little different, but in a way, still related. Historians say that dragons could have been inspired by the discovery of bones of long-forgotten beasts, the dinosaurs. Ooh. Dinosaurs are now a mainstream staple thanks to many depictions over the years, comics, novels, films, and more. There is one film, however, that stands above the rest that truly put dinosaurs on the map. Not only did this movie inspire a love of dinosaurs across generations of fans, but it also changed filmmaking forever. You all know what movie that is. I don't. What movie yeah, is Yeah, what it? are you yes, talking you do. about? <laughs> well, hold on to your butts. Welcome to the case of Jurassic Park. Yay! <laughs> yes! We finally let Adam talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> All right. Finally. This is your one chance. Sit we down. <laughs> You're going to want to sit. This is about to be an eight-hour extravaganza. Oh, boy. Oh, Just kidding. Holy God. crap. If Could you imagine? If you're a longtime listener of our show, you know that this is Adam's favorite movie. Yes. And also, Adam likes to talk about this movie and bring it up whenever possible. I relate yeah. everything else to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. Yep, and we so... never we never let him talk about it. So yeah. So here no. it is. Yeah. First of all though, who hasn't <laughs> seen this movie? I mean, come you, on. Yes, if yeah. you have not seen Jurassic Park, you should probably stop listening because there's, you know, we're probably going to mention some spoilers. I mean, yeah. And also, if you haven't seen it and you haven't been spoiled, I mean, Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, that is that's, a feat of a... Right? Yes, that's you know? amazing. Right? That's amazing. And and just go ahead and turn this off and watch it because you're really in for a, a real treat, honestly. This is a great movie. Yes, we all know that. But for those of you listening now, here is a summary. On a remote island off the coast of Costa Rica, there exists a sort of biological preserve. Paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler along with mathematician Ian Malcolm, are among a select group chosen to tour this park populated by dinosaurs created from prehistoric DNA. Ooh, wow. While the park's curator, billionaire John Hammond, assures everyone that he spared no expense and the facility is safe, they soon find out otherwise when ferocious predators break free and go on the hunt. 
Yes. <laughs> this is a pretty scary yeah. one, actually. So I was about to say, this is a horror movie. This is no, a horror it's movie. it's a thriller. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I'm not being a hypocrite <laughs> because, <laughs> for not liking horror, but loving this movie because okay. it took me a long-ass time to come around on it. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was young, I was afraid of this movie. The third movie had been out by the time I was like, you know, really understanding what was yeah. going on. And I, I, yeah, I was kind of afraid of them because I didn't like seeing characters get killed. Yes. And I mean, I still don't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I can handle it at I, that point. And yeah. you know what? It, it is a scary movie. And yeah. the first three are, are heavily trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe Jurassic World's not as much. I would say those are more action movies. Yeah. 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 But... My love of dinosaurs completely overshadows my fear of horror movies. So here we are. It's my favorite movie. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if you guys know this, but it's based on a book. Yes. This is another great what? movie based on a great book. Adam has read this book, though. Yes. Sure is, that's what's different about this one. <laughs> so when Michael Crichton first began considering a story about dinosaurs returning to Earth, he reportedly discussed the idea with some friends of his that were MIT scientists. Crichton said that when they heard the idea, they all quietly nodded their head and said it could be done. <laughs> yeah, he he said that for about ten years or so, there had been kind of you know he'd see news stories every mm-hmm. once in a while, mm-hmm. and people were just talking about the concept of DNA and bringing back animals from yep. different eras, yep. and so. The idea to do dinosaurs, he was like, that would be interesting. And that so when he brought it up to them, they all told him that it was possible, <laughs> which made him feel like, okay, so since this is not a totally improbable mm-hmm. book, yeah. Yeah. you know. In the early 80s, he began a screenplay about a graduate student who recreated a dinosaur. In Crichton's mind, the reasoning for this would have to come from a desire to entertain. He thought that genetic research is very expensive, and there is no real need to recreate dinosaurs. So logically, a sort of wildlife park of extinct animals made the most sense. Yeah, it makes sense you would do this for money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, the story had a child's perspective, but everyone who read the draft felt that an adult perspective would be better. So as additions and changes were made, Crichton decided to convert the story into a novel. It became a cautionary story about the power of genetic engineering and the dangerous minds of those who might wield that power. It presents the collapse of an amusement park full of recreated dinosaurs to illustrate the concept of chaos theory and its real-world implications. The character Malcolm, a mathematician that believes in chaos theory, is the conscience that reminds John Hammond, the owner of the park, of the immoral and unnatural decision to play God. Man, a super <laughs> awesome concept. I mean, I'm going to be gushing about this the whole episode, <laughs> just so you know. But, like, props to Crichton for coming up with something like this because it's so and actually a lot of his stories so based in reality and like yeah. scientific facts mm-hmm. things like that but yet with that little bit of sci-fi spin on it <laughs> yeah and it's just enough and then you take it to like the implications of real world stuff 
The book was eventually published in 1990 and became an immediate bestseller and became Michael Crichton's signature novel to many. Critics loved it as well, with New York Times' Christopher Lehman Hopped saying it was a superior specimen of the Frankenstein myth and easily the best of Mr. Crichton's novels to date. And of course, the novel became even more popular following the release of the 1993 film adaptation. Oh, boy. Yeah, Frankenstein would be a huge inspiration for a story like this. Yeah. Absolutely. Frankenstein, essentially the birth of science fiction. Mm -hmm. The very beginning of it, and the same kind of concept, playing God. Mm -hmm. You know, we also have a man versus beast element in this. Right, and and not understanding your creation or Mm -hmm. deeming it a monster when it may not really be. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not the dinosaur's fault. Yeah. That no. they got brought back to life, right. you yeah. know? They didn't ask to be and, there. And they do what dinosaurs do, you know? They right. are not monsters. <laughs> <laughs> they just happen to be big and scary and eat mm-hmm. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how the movie was made. Oh, boy. Yes. This is some fascinating stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the time Michael Crichton began writing Jurassic Park, he was already an accomplished author and screenwriter. As he was collaborating with Steven Spielberg on a screenplay in the 1980s, Spielberg casually asked Crichton about his book projects. Crichton replied that he was writing some story about dinosaurs and DNA. Spielberg, a longtime lover of dinosaurs, was immediately interested. He encouraged Crichton to tell him the story, and thus was the beginning of Jurassic Park. It's, it's not super common for a book and then a movie about the mm-hmm. book to come out that close together. Yeah. Because it was published in 1990, 90. and then the movie came yep. out in 1993. Right. Mm-hmm. It took three years to make the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they started immediately. Yeah. And the only way for that is you got to know ahead of time. Exactly. Even before there was a screenplay, Spielberg began storyboarding scenes of the book that he intended to bring to the screen. He had never done anything like that before. The screenplay based on Crichton's novel was written by David Cope, who was behind many popular films like Spider-Man in 2001 and Death Becomes Her in 1992. Spielberg had a fascination with dinosaurs from a young age and even had a Triceratops toy when he was a kid. He said he got from the Natural History Museum. It also brings a little more depth to the the big Triceratops in the movie. Yes. Yes. Because he loved Triceratops Mm -hmm. so much. He knew that seeing the giant skeletons in museums always made people want to know more about what they looked like and how they behaved. So, when he got the opportunity to make Jurassic Park, it was important to get the dinosaurs right. The production set out with the idea that they would truly bring the dinosaurs to life. I love that mentality. Yes. From the beginning, they're like, these aren't monsters. These are what dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. These are animals. Are. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so awesome. Spielberg didn't want to create Godzilla or some other movie monster. He wanted the audience to see the dinosaurs as animals, and he wanted them to look as real as possible. So he assembled the best team of special effects artists he could find. One of the biggest details that Spielberg stuck to in the script and in the design of the dinosaurs was their bird-like features. The team consulted real paleontologists like Jack Horner, who thought it was important to do away with the stereotype that dinosaurs were very reptilian. As a film, Jurassic Park changed the public's perception of dinosaurs in this way. 
Mm-hmm. They sure did. And people working on this movie still had their reptilian perception yeah. because there are some early animatics that you can find uh, before they got to the computer stuff. And they did the little tongue flicker, mm-hmm. you know, much more reptilian things. And he's like, look at that. Thing. He's like, get that out of here. <laughs> Jurassic Park was the kind of transition to this more bird-like yeah. mentality. Before it, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. One film that truly inspired Spielberg to make Jurassic Park was King Kong from 1933. As we've talked about on our show before, this film blew audiences away with its realistic special effects. In the early 90s, Universal had a King Kong animatronic created by famed amusement park designer Bob Gurr. This made Spielberg want a complete set of full-size dinosaurs for the film. (laughs) A dream that he would soon realize would not work. Oh, boy. Spielberg consulted Stan Winston, Phil Tippett, Dennis Murin, and Michael Antieri to see if it were possible to make creatures that a modern audience would accept as reality. Phil Tippett created a series of robotic miniatures, while Stan Winston designed some full-size models. Michael Antieri was tasked with managing the interactions between cast and crew with the live-action dinosaurs, while Dennis Murin would have the all-important task of working with the animators at Industrial Light and Magic. But that comes later. Tippett used his miniatures to create 3D animatic storyboards, which allowed them to block out the scene in terms of lighting. He took the time (laughs) to make stop-motion versions of the scenes. Yes. And then they stood there on set, and they watched them, and they knew exactly what to do. Yep. And it really helps, like you said, with the timing of it, because... Mm -hmm. With a storyboard, you're looking at still images like a comic, right? Yes. But with an animation, you can at least get some of the flow down because everyone's flow is going to be different if you're just looking at images, right? Yeah. So it's nice to be able to direct it very specifically ahead of time. Winston and his artists began working on models in 1991. First, they created a sculpture of the animal. Then they cast a mold and used that to create a skin to pull over the robotic skeleton. When the first shots of Tippett's dinosaurs were filmed, he used a go-motion technique that captured motion blur. Go-motion is different from stop-motion in that the photos are taken while the subject is moving, creating blur. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you watch something like Coraline, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, it's not completely natural because, you know, it's animation. Yes. But you never see blur, like when she's running Mm -hmm. or riding her bike or anything. Yeah. You know, it's always so crisp and clear the whole time because it's all <laughs> stop motion photographs. <laughs> yeah. While Spielberg loved Tippett's work and his kids actually believed the dinosaurs were real, by the way, he couldn't help but notice the slight imperfections in the movements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said it was the best go motion he'd ever seen. He said it was probably the best ever created, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. but just, oh, it just didn't look 100% real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he couldn't suspend reality. Yeah. yeah, definitely go check out the animatics. They're, they're pretty easy to find, and they are yeah. actually very cool. To they're see. so good. I would, I would watch a movie with those. Right. Yeah. If there was definitely. a cut, a complete cut of Jurassic Park with those, with yeah. I would also watch it and love it. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, they look amazing. It's just a different stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dennis Murin was working on Terminator 2 Judgment Day with artists at ILM when he suggested that Spielberg consider using CGI in shots of full-size dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. 
Spielberg was not completely new to CGI, since he produced Young Sherlock Holmes in 1985, which depicted one of the first ever CGI creatures on screen. Yeah, we talked oh, yeah. about this a little bit in our special effects episode mm-hmm. that we did yeah. a little while ago. That, yeah, in that movie, a character comes out of a stained glass window. Mm-hmm. It's a knight in a stained glass window, and yeah. he yep. comes out and he fights. And it is very clearly CGI. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's 1985. Yes. Yeah. And he's really wobbly. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you watch a lot of these special features on the, on films like this, this is a clip that often comes up. They yeah. will show this young Sherlock Holmes clip many times. So Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And it's actually really good for, oh. for what it is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because it's stained glass. It looks yeah. pretty good. Um, I wish I was in the theater seeing that for the first mm-hmm. time. That probably <laughs> freaked yeah. people it out. Was, that Dude, blown people some what? people away. Yeah. <laughs> ILM had never brought realistic creatures to life in this scale, and in fact, no one had ever done it before. So they created a test to show Spielberg depicting dinosaur skeletons and how they would move. The preliminary tests were promising, and after ILM was able to show Spielberg what a full-size T-Rex would look like in the harsh daylight, he prepared to tell Phil Tippett that they would replace his work with CGI. When he showed the test to Tippett, Tippett replied, I think I'm extinct. Yeah. (laughs) And then they put the line in the movie. They did, yes. Because he thought it was pretty funny Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he said that. But also very sad. He did not want to tell Phil Tippett. No. He was, he did not like telling him. He avoided it. Hey, you know, because it wasn't just him. It was the whole studio Mm -hmm. of people. It was a whole group of animators that were working on this and they thought they had this job. And then he's like, oh, we found something newer and we're going to replace you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of saying it, he just showed him the yes, thing. Yes, he just showed like... him. And he was like, I see. I see. I definitely see why you're firing me. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It is sad. It's pretty sad. It is sad. Yeah. But Phil Tippett wasn't extinct. I mean, no. he helped design Draco in yes, Dragonheart. Right. We just talked exactly. about that. That's right. Of course, Phil Tippett wasn't exactly extinct. He just evolved. Like the dinosaurs. That's there right. you go. He became the director of the CG animation, teaching the animators how exactly the creatures would move. Spielberg called him the Alan Grant of ILM. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Very nice. Oh. I'm so happy they didn't actually fire him. Like, he was yeah. th- still there. He, exactly. They found a spot for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be a good animator, you need to be a pretty decent actor as well. Tippett instituted mime classes that taught the animators how their own bodies moved and how to act and think like dinosaurs. They would even act as if they were Gallimimus and the other dinosaurs and use that as reference footage. It's very cute it's reference yeah. footage. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, jumping over like a, it, like a yeah, barrier. Oh yeah, they all like yes. jump. They have one where they jump over the log mm-hmm. in the movie. Like they had direct reference footage for that. Yeah. Yes. Of all the animators with their hands yeah. you know, out there <laughs> running. <laughs> running like a And even one guy purposefully fell because there's one Gallimimus that trips. Yes. yes. Right? So they had that too. Super Perfect. cute. Oh. Tippett's animators were used to working in 3D, and they needed to bridge the gap between miniatures and computer animation. So they developed a dinosaur input device. This allowed them to move a physical model of the dinosaur and have it translated to computer data. 
This is so nice. This is ingenious. Yeah. So ILM came in and they were like, okay, so we're going to design the dinosaurs with these keyboards here and these super high-tech computers. Mm -hmm. And Phil Tippett's guys were like, we don't know how to do that. We only know how to animate models and, you know, do the stop motion, go motion stuff. And they said, okay, we have a compromise. Instead of using a keyboard... We're going to have you guys do the same thing you always did, but we're going to hook it up to the computer mm-hmm. so it will input into the computer like animation just as if you were using the keyboard. Yep. Yeah, so in brilliant. a way, in a way, the movie was still stop motion. Yep. Yeah. But just this really fancy computer Slick. version. <laughs> this and a bunch of other things that we will continue to mention throughout the episode is one of the contributing factors to why people bring up Jurassic Park when they talk about good CGI and yeah. it yeah. holding up over the years, right? Mm-hmm. I can't even believe this movie came out in 1993. I know. I know. Every time yeah. I watch it, I'm like, oh my God, I it's can't believe it. Ahead of its time. Besides consulting paleontologists, animators also assured accuracy by studying live animals of today, like elephants and giraffes. To make their jobs even more difficult, Spielberg insisted on being able to move the camera during CG sequences. This was incredibly difficult, but it added a lot of depth to the film. Imagine watching the scene with the Gallimimus herd from a static shot. It would be boring and difficult to watch. But because Spielberg was able to move with the actors as they ran across the field, the audience feels like they are also running with the herd. The movie was groundbreaking in not just the fact that the CG was there, yes. because CG had been in movies before, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. but the fact that they were able to move the camera while CG was on screen, yes. and the CG could come toward them, mm-hmm. that's yep. that's pretty amazing. And the camera can be kind of shaky, it yes. didn't have to, yeah. even if it was moving, it didn't have to be a seamless move, mm-hmm. it could yeah. be kind of like a rocky, right. handheld movement. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. It feels like they're really there. They yep. really saw the dinosaurs mm-hmm. and they really filmed it. Like that's yeah. that's what it feels and it like. It feels mm-hmm. kind of like you're running with them like yeah. Come yeah. On, guys. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And and I love seeing if you watch any of the behind the scenes, the there is a shot of that part without the Gallimimus in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see them running and you can see like little yellow balls kind yeah. of all over the field. And that <laughs> and then the computer picks those up. And it's like there's my grid, that's the floor, and yes. then you layer Gallimimus on top of that mm-hmm. frame by frame, right? And it's just so funny to think that <laughs> the, those little balls are everywhere. That's <laughs> all you need that's and then need bam. To... Groundbreaking <laughs> technology. <laughs> the animators at ILM were the stars of post production, adding creatures into entire sequences. Over 50 CG shots were added to the film. Today, that sounds like nothing, but back then, back then, it was astounding. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) 50 shots. Whenever a creature, whether practical or CG, interacted with an object on set, someone off screen was manipulating those objects to make it appear that the dinosaur is interacting with the real world. Special effects artists like Michael Lantieri were in charge of the destruction of power lines, the smashing of bones, the denting of kitchen cabinets, and whatever else. <laughs> I, I love it. Just being the yeah. destruction guy. And, and you know what? It's something that I literally never thought about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching the behind the scenes and watching, you can watch the footage of the movie 
before they added the T-Rex in. Yeah. And mm-hmm. watch that final scene where the T-Rex and the raptors are there. It's like you can almost see a ghost T-Rex moving around <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the frame because yeah. you see all of the destruction it's causing. You see all the things it's interacting with. But it's not actually there. Yeah. And I never thought about how there was a guy yeah. who was like, okay, and now he hits the wall. Boom. Okay, and now... All right, now he breaks that, you know, yeah. Yeah. and he's doing all pulling those strings Gosh. and making it because the CG isn't there. Yeah. Right. And it's not actually interacting with the so, world. So well choreographed. Yes. Like, they had to have known uh. exactly like, okay, now, yeah, yes. like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. now it's like years later, like now, often they will just make all those other elements CG as well. Yeah. And so they won't have to do that. But at this point in time, CG didn't, they couldn't really do that. Yeah. Right. It, it's important to remember that throughout this entire movie, the CG was used in places where it was absolutely necessary. The entire yeah. rest of the movie is done old school, practical, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like you said, they couldn't yeah. do anything besides what was absolutely necessary because it yeah. was all brand new. Yeah. So the dinosaur skeleton falling and crumbling all over the floor who knows how long yeah. it would have taken in the computer mm-hmm. so they did it practically because that's just the way it was always done yeah mm-hmm. and it and it again adds to the the reason of why this movie holds up so well yeah lancieri was responsible for the iconic vibrating water that signaled the arrival of the t-rex spielberg had the idea for the scene while listening to loud music on his way to work he liked how the music made his mirror vibrate and he tasked the special effects team with finding a way to make a glass of water vibrate in perfect circles. The team tried everything they could think of until Lantieri finally tested the effect with his guitar. It actually worked, so he brought the guitar strings into work, and the crew fed them through the car. During the scene, a man is lying underneath the car, plucking a guitar string. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, man. Classic movie making. Yes. So fun. He worked on that for a long time. Spielberg was like, I want you to do this. You can make this happen. He called sound people. Mm -hmm. He called special effects artists. He called everybody. Yeah. And nobody knew how to do something like that. That wasn't. They could make the water move, but not make the, like, perfect rings. Yeah, he wanted the rings coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And so he. (laughs) <laughs> he legitimately, he was like, I, I, and every time Steven Spielberg was like, how's that going? He'd be like, great. Yeah. We're working on it. We're working on it, Steve. It's fine. Yep. You know? And yep. he, he had Almost no there. idea. He had yeah. no idea. He was making a, basically, he couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of cake to do the, the rear view mirror shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the water, such a pain. Yeah. yeah. What I love to imagine is filming that scene, right? You've got yeah. Ian and, and Alan in the car hearing it coming and they look yeah. down at the water. Just imagine while they're filming, you just hear bang, <laughs> bang, bang. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah. It is funny how it all came from music that did yeah. that. And then they were like, oh, guitar string. Maybe a guitar will do music. it. Yeah. Yes. He said it was the, he was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh-huh. For anybody who wants to know that trivia. I just think it's so perfect to how they visually show yeah. the yeah. tension and oh, the suspense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when I was young and watched it for the first time, I didn't necessarily know what it meant. 
Yeah. Like when I yeah. saw Shay, I was like, what does, you know, like mm-hmm. something's coming, but like yeah. we didn't really know like, what was coming. Yeah. Honestly, the, the T-Rex breakout scene in its entirety is probably one of the best scenes mm-hmm. ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. If I'm, being, I'm sorry. Wow. I'm being know. very <laughs> biased here, but, but I can't help it because from, you're right. It creates so much suspense. Yeah. Yeah. Because that you don't see the dinosaur Mm-mm. like they, they allude yeah. to it. it's like, Oh, we have a T Rex, oh blah blah blah. Yes. They try to go see it during the day. Yeah. They build the suspense so perfectly yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And they do it so well. And and things like visual cues like the water and, you know, the rearview mirror shaking in almost every monster movie, like any horror movie ever, yeah. when you're building up to the monster, the moment the monster appears there is a sense of relief, right? Yeah. Because you now know what it looks like. Yep. This movie doesn't really have that. When no. yeah. the T-Rex appears, it's so spectacular yeah. that you're not really let down by it. You no. really you see it and it's exactly what you imagined <laughs> you're still you would see. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god. Yeah, because that it looks like them. a T-Rex. Like it really yeah. looks, you know, it looks real. it's so unpredictable because like with a monster you're like oh you see it okay now it's gonna just eat yeah me or it's gonna start chasing and now it's with destruction here we go yeah but the t-rex is kind of just minding its own business yeah almost (laughs) the entire scene until it's like starts to notice things The, the tension is there the entire scene yeah yeah even when the attacks are happening because it's so unpredictable yeah Let's see. Right. I think because the goat disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Like really quickly. That's all of a sudden, thing. they're like, oh, you're man. hearing, you hear the goat the whole scene, scene. And then suddenly you don't hear the goat yes. anymore. But enough is going on that yeah. you don't notice that you stop hearing stop the goat hearing until it. somebody says something. Says it. Yeah. Somebody's like, wait a minute. Hold on. What, what happened to the goat? Yeah. 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 And there's nothing around. Yeah. And then, yeah. There's this eerie <laughs> silence. And then the little. Fingers on the wires. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's turned off, is it? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my God. What a great scene. <laughs> Dean Cundy was the director of photography for Jurassic Park. He and the cast and crew spent months filming on location in Hawaii and in the Mojave Desert before moving onto sound stages for the final parts of the shoot. Spielberg wanted the park itself to look as real as possible, so the crew built sets on the Hawaiian islands of Kauai and Oahu. Great decision. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I mean, the jungle scenes where yeah. they, you know, the pouring rain, all that stuff, that was sound stages. Because they, they needed to be able to mm-hmm. control it. Control. Right. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, I mean, that's pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. The first dinosaur to be filmed was Stan Winston's full-size Triceratops. It was the first day of shooting, and the crew knew that if the scene didn't work with the animal, that the film would have to be reworked. Of course, the scene went perfectly. Completely perfectly. Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) Great job, Stan. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. It's just because it's the, you have this absolutely beautiful animatronic dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And it's like in its full glory. Like, the whole thing is there. Nothing, there's no trick about it, you know? Nope. It's all there, and they like interact with it. They lay on it, and it's yeah. just so calm and sweet. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Hey, baby girl. <laughs> she was my favorite when I was a kid. Now I see she's the most beautiful thing I ever saw. 
it's fantastic because it's it's only the second dinosaur you see, but the Brachiosaurus is kind of distant, mm-hmm. right? It's huge and magnificent and wondrous, but yeah. you're not really intimate with it mm-hmm. until the Triceratops, and you're just yeah. Now like, you can oh. feel it and touch. Yeah, it, yeah. Also, contrary to popular belief on that meme, Spielberg did not kill this animal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that yeah. meme of him in front of the dead triceratops. Tri- the like quote-unquote dead triceratops. Yeah. It looks like he hunted it. He's a yes. game hunter. Yeah. This no. is, I've seen it. This is Steven Spielberg. He killed the last living triceratops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Once shooting was completed, Spielberg and editor Michael Kahn sat down to cut the entire film together. It was a difficult job, as editing always is, but this was especially difficult because there were so many scenes that appeared empty. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Michael Kahn said, the movie looks good without the dinosaurs, so I assume it's going to look really good with them. (laughs) (laughs) And he was right. (laughs) The real star of the film, of course, was the T-Rex. Stan Winston referred to the dinosaur's debut scene as one of the best moments of his career. Oh, man. Spielberg wanted to film Winston's T-Rex in a downpour to add visual tension to the scene. Winston warned him that the animatronic could malfunction due to its electronic makeup and the fact that the team had calculated her movement based on her exact weight and size. The gigantic animatronic soaked up the water like a sponge, making the head too heavy to operate properly. The team had to slap her with towels between takes to remove some of the excess water. Oh, man. It's so yeah. funny. This behind-the-scenes so footage is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it is so funny because it looks like a legitimate, real freaking dinosaur. Yeah. And, and then you've got these guys just <laughs> smacking it with towels. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't climb up on it to get to the top, no. and he had to reach as much as he can, so you just yeah, have to slap just, it up there. They're, like, they're like kind of half-jumping. Those were the interns, probably. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> they're like, Mary, you guys got some work. Yeah, you Go guys do that. that. You're, you're young. You guys need something to do. Yeah, you're young. You can still jump they're really like, do well. do you guys have a stepladder? No, have fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your exercise. <laughs> The dinosaur was about 9,000 pounds and was 40 feet long. Oh, goodness. My lord. When the artists at ILM asked paleontologists about how the T Rex would move, they didn't even agree amongst themselves. They had almost no reference to work with. Ah. <sighs> that, unfortunately, is the thing about, <laughs> uh, about large carnivore dinosaurs like that. All the yeah. theropods, they. they we don't have anything like that anymore. <laughs> don't do. Um, for for the herbivores, I mean, an elephant is a pretty good guess for most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe a hippo or a rhino, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. We have big mammals. But the closest we've got to a dinosaur, like a theropod dinosaur, is going to be like an ostrich or an emu, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they are perfect for a gallimimus. Let me tell you what. They yeah. look yeah. almost identical. Oh, yeah. All you need is a tail. You've basically got a, a gallimimus, right? Yeah. But there ain't nothing like a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Not even close. No. So they did their best. Yeah, they did their best, <laughs> and they said the paleontologist looked at the footage and went, okay, maybe. That feels yeah. right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it could move like that. <laughs> as a <laughs> guess. That's yeah, a pretty good guess. That's pretty good. Because <laughs> they didn't even know. Yeah. All of the work that the special effects team did to make the dinosaurs come to life was impressive. But it would all fall apart without the crucial detail of sound design. Gary Rydstrom was a sound director tasked with creating the voices of the dinosaurs. 
even though no one, not even the paleontologists, know what they sounded like. Oh, boy. Oh, man. That is still one of the (laughs) hottest debates Mm -hmm, in paleontology. He and his team went out and gathered raw audio of several different animals, layering their sounds. Every sound needed to be fresh and never heard before by audiences. Spielberg's only direction was to make a sound that sounded like a giant animal, but that did not sound like Godzilla or Rodan. Aha. The raptor's scream was a combination of a dolphin and a walrus. Yeah. (laughs) If you listen closely enough, you can hear them both. Yes. Yes. But it's kind of hard when you're just in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're in watching the movie and you're super into it, you can't. Yeah, you're like, it's just one sound. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and the dolphin, like, they they heard the dolphin scream from underwater, Mm -hmm. and they were like, ooh. Ooh, that's terrifying. So <laughs> yeah. you should do that. Like, like the nice down. high pitch. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Now let's bring it together with something deep that makes it sound really big. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the walrus came in. I remember when I was a kid, I went to the movies and they had trivia on the screen. And they were they listed all the animals used to make the T-Rex sound. Oh, and I remember gosh. cockroach was in there. I was like, cockroach? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely hear lion, and I'll tell yeah. you, uh, so does my cat. So when no. I was watching this today, whenever <gasps> the T-Rex roar happened, she got pretty scared. Like, oh. like she heard something scary. Poor yeah. baby. <laughs> she was like, what the hell is in this house? Yeah. yeah. The sound and visuals worked incredibly well together, creating a level of believability that audiences could get on board with. One hundred percent, and a lot of those sounds have become iconic sounds in their mm-hmm. own right now. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. they, that's why that in the later movies they sound exactly like that. The T Rex roar is exactly like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. making Jurassic Park feel as real as possible meant that the actors had to convince the audience that what they were experiencing was real as well. Spielberg was adamant that they not hire big stars, but instead very naturalistic and believable actors. Yeah. Sam Neill plays Dr. Alan Grant, one of the paleontologists asked to review the park. Spielberg specifically loved Neill for the part because he found his acting to be very honest and perfect for the role. He's He is Alan Grant. Man, mm-hmm. I can't see anyone else <laughs> as this character. It's It's literally perfect. He may not be the most book accurate character if we want to mm-hmm. split hairs about it, but he's <laughs> so good, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Laura Dern was in her early 20s when she landed the role of Dr. Ellie Sattler. The character has long been adored as a feminist icon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, she's a, like a really good paleontologist. I yeah, she's in her like own a freaking, right. yeah, she's and, a freaking scientist. Yeah. And she, I mean, she is, you know, there in the dirt, in the mud, in the poop, just like everybody else. And she's, you know, kind of, uh, people are surprised to see her there. Mm -hmm. She's obviously breaking boundaries that they don't even have to talk about in the movie. (laughs) You know, when they have to go restart the power in the Mm -hmm. park, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I'll go do Mm -hmm. it, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, surely I should go. She's like, why? It's like, because I... And he's like implying because yeah, I'm the guy yeah. and you're a woman. Mm-hmm. And she's like, save it. Yeah, <laughs> and then just goes. Yeah, just goes yeah. So. Or the part where what is it? <laughs> man creates dinosaur. Right. Dinosaur uh, eats man. Women inherit the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Steven Spielberg was blown away by Jeff Goldblum's naturalistic approach to acting. He noted that when Goldblum delivers a line, it seems as if he just sort of thought of those words in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. I'm like, well, he didn't improvise those lines. <laughs> it yeah. really seems like he's just thinking of that stuff as it goes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is acting and has lines around him, but he's just there. He's just That's like, just Jeff Goldblum. It's all just, real to him. Yeah. He's just there in Jurassic Park <laughs> reacting. <laughs> Beyond the central cast of three main characters, the supporting cast of Jurassic Park really helped ground the film in reality. Veteran actor Lord Richard Attenborough played the eccentric billionaire John Hammond, the owner of the park and the grandfather to the two children, Tim and Lex, played by Joseph Mazzello and Ariana Richards, respectively. Richard Attenborough came out of retirement for Jurassic Park. Spielberg approached him after he had been away from acting for 15 years, but he agreed, saying that Spielberg had the charm of the devil. One of the features I've seen in the past is so cute. Richard Attenborough just kind of walking around the set. And Steven Spielberg's like, come on, just say it again. Just say it one more time. Can you just say it? Just say it one more time. And he's like, welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah. He's like, oh, God, chills every time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and another thing that um, I love about him while filming is like Spielberg pointed out that since Attenborough had done directing, he was so like in it. Like he, yeah. oh, he like could he see knew. eye to eye with Spielberg mm -hmm. on a lot of things. Like there's one clip in the behind the scenes where they're doing the scene for the Brachiosaurus, right? And yeah. He, and Hammond is sitting in the back of the Jeep and the camera is, is filming kind of at an angle. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey, uh, Richard, can you move over? Uh, and then he was going to describe it to him, but he just moves over immediately. Perfectly. Exactly, like exactly where I was going to put you. Thank you. You already knew exactly where to move because he's like, oh yeah, I can see that I'm not in camera yet. Yeah. yeah. I'll move yep. to be perfectly in camera in now. And it's yeah. like, already knows what he's doing. In one scene, Lex played by Ariana Richards falls through a grate. Her stunt double accidentally looked up while shooting the scene, and the computer artists composited Ariana's face over the face of the double. Bob Peck played Robert Muldoon, the game warden that utters the classic line, clever girl, before getting mauled by a raptor. Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I was sad when he died. I yeah. know, I still am too. He was a British actor and toured with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh, Heck that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Ah. Wayne Knight played the diabolical Nedry, the man responsible for shutting down the park's electricity so he could smuggle out dinosaur embryos. When Nedry gets killed during the rainstorm, the Barbasol can containing the embryos washes away. This shot was meant to set up a sequel because The Lost World had not been published yet. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. They didn't know they didn't have a sequel yet. Yeah. 
Knight has had a few iconic roles as a character actor, including Newman from Seinfeld. For a long <laughs> time, I only knew him as Newman, and I yeah. burned it into my head. I was like, this man has a name. His yeah. name is Wayne Knight. He Wayne has a name. Knight. Which is actually <laughs> a pretty it. cool name. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it is actually a great name. Actor B.D. Wong played Dr. Henry Wu, one of the main scientists featured in the lab. Wong reprised his role in subsequent Jurassic Park films. He's a prominent film and TV actor that voiced Shang in Mulan. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really neat. Nice. Martin Ferrero played Gennaro, the lawyer with the first on-screen death in the film. During his death scene, part of him had to be animated the moment he was in the T-Rex's mouth. <laughs> because as we talked about with the with the Dragonheart yeah. episode, you could not have had him his as a human being yes. interact with CG mm-hmm. in such a way. They would have had to have him in the animatronic mouth, which yep. oh my god, that'd be way uh, too dangerous. Yes. It's been malfunctioning all night. Let's <laughs> let's not yeah, do that. Probably yep. still wet. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, bad, bad idea. idea. So they just had him on a harness. And the moment the dinosaur came down, they just yanked him right out of the shot. And then when, you know, because the dinosaur's down and he's gone and then dinosaur comes back up. CGI. Yep. Perfect. Samuel L. Jackson made a short but memorable appearance as Arnold, a Jurassic Park employee that desperately tries to get the electricity back online. Jackson had already appeared in several films, but his acting career really took off after Jurassic Park. He is the man that utters the iconic line, hold on to your butts. <laughs> this movie's incredibly quotable. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of really quotable lines in this movie. And this is one of them, hold on to your butts. Yeah. Clever girl is another one. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's so many. Oh, life finds a way. Yes. Yep. That, that's uh, the big one. Finds a way. <laughs> I, I also love, boy, I hate being right all the time. Yes. <laughs> oh, yep. All right, so the one and only John Williams, of course, scored the film. Oh, John Williams. Williams began writing the Jurassic Park score at the end of February 1993, and it was conducted a month later. According to the the behind-the-scenes book, The Making of Jurassic Park, an adventure 65 million years in the making, Unfortunately, Williams sustained a back injury during one of the scoring sessions. That means that Artie Kane, a music conductor known for films such as Men in Black and Mission Impossible, conducted several cues. Kane is uncredited in the movie, but receives a special thanks in the soundtrack album's credits. While writing, Williams felt similarly to his work on another Spielberg film he scored, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The music would need to create pieces that would convey a sense of awe and fascination, as well as convey overwhelming happiness and excitement that someone would feel when seeing a living dinosaur. On the other hand, more intense scenes such as the Tyrannosaur breakout would require more suspenseful and frightening themes. John Williams is very good at themes and leitmotif, and I mm-hmm. think... You know, that's the thing that he's really known for is that, you know, you ask him to do a movie and he'll create a main theme or mm-hmm. a character theme that yeah. is, for some reason, so incredibly iconic that everyone remembers it. Yes. Yeah. Which is <laughs> hard to do, but he can do it over and over again. He does yes. it all the time. Yeah. yeah. 
During Jurassic Park, Spielberg was unable to attend any of the recording sessions for one of his movies for the first time. Wow. Wow, dang. <laughs> He's always there. Yeah. As was the case for much of the production of Jurassic Park, he was in Poland filming Schindler's List. Luckily, Williams had given Spielberg demo tapes with piano versions of the main themes before Spielberg left for Poland, and he would listen to them daily and send feedback. That's so funny. Smart. Imagine him uh, driving to the set to film Schindler's List and listening yeah. to da -da. Jurassic Park. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he did it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you have to like flip yes. a switch in your head. Change. Yeah. 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 So I think Jurassic Park didn't win any awards, and it's a garbage movie, and yeah. it's poop. I and quit. <laughs> Jurassic Park won quite a few awards. <laughs> Jurassic Park is one of those movies that people bring up when they talk about the most influential films of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's no surprise that the movie received many awards. Out of the 34 awards it was nominated for in 1994, it won 20 of them. That's pretty good. Yeah many of which were for special effects and sound. No surprise. Mm -hmm. then. No, makes sense. Among the awards were three Oscars at the 66th Academy Awards for Best Sound, Sound Editing, and Visual Effects. Back when, <laughs> those were all different categories. Yeah. <laughs> Four Saturn Awards for Best Director, Special Effects, Writing, and Best Science Fiction Film, and many more. Yay, oh, Saturn Awards. Yeah. Saturn, they're the best. They know how to pick them. Rotten Tomatoes retroactively scores the movie at 92% and is certified fresh. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone described the film as a colossal entertainment, the eye-popping, mind-bending, kick-out-of-the-jams thrill ride of summer and probably the year. And one critic we always must check, Roger Ebert, gave the film three out of four stars, saying the movie delivers all too well on its promise to show us dinosaurs. We see them early and often, and they are indeed a triumph of special effects artistry. But the movie is lacking other qualities that it needs even more, such as a sense of awe and wonderment and the strong human story values. I sort of agree with him because, I mean, yes, it's a, a visual masterpiece. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. But, yeah. but I totally understand that some, uh, some of the human aspect of it might be lacking for, for those looking for that. I always felt like there was a good amount of human but it, yeah, yeah, aspect because, yeah, I mean, I think maybe it drops off in yeah, like a lot yeah. of it's in the first act mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because when they first see the dinosaurs, those scenes are very human. Yeah. You know, when they yeah. see dinosaurs for the first time and that kind of awe mm -hmm. and amazement and I felt like that was pretty, that captured the awe pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on when John Hammond is talking to, Ellie Sattler, and he says, he's talking about his grandchildren mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. how afraid he was that they were dead or that, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. that they wouldn't survive. I feel like that was very human yeah. and heavy too. I agree. And that's why I think I only partially agree with his statement because yeah. you're right. It, it totally has those moments, mm -hmm. but maybe you're, maybe it does lack a little bit in the third act. Or yeah. Something mm -hmm. like that. But I, I actually, that's actually one of my favorite scenes, despite it having no dinosaurs in it. <laughs> Them talking and him describing what he was hoping for and his like dream of this park. But, yeah. but mm -hmm. Ellie telling him, like, you never had control, man. Yeah. That's yeah. the illusion. <laughs> right. And I love that so yeah. much because it really puts his, his, John into perspective. Next time it'll be flawless. 
It's still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. When we have control again. You've never had control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place. But I made a mistake, too. I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. There is no beating around the bush about it. Jurassic Park changed the movie industry. With a budget of $63 million, it took the world by storm and brought in a whopping $978 million worldwide. Wow. That is incredible, especially for 1993. Yes, yeah. it's a huge deal. One best-selling book turned blockbuster film became a billion-dollar IP all on its own and has since become the 60th highest-grossing multimedia franchise of all time. The film has generated so much interest in dinosaurs that in the 90s, there was a record increase in students interested in the study of paleontology. It even led to the creation of a professional basketball team in Toronto, Canada in 1995 called the Raptors. Hey! Ha! That's cool. So if you were wondering why the heck that's the only dinosaur team in the whole <laughs> NBA, because there should that's be more, <laughs> it's because of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's biggest impact, though, was on future filmmaking and the computer-generated visual effects that we see so often now. Film historian Tom Schoen commented on the film's influence, saying that in its way, Jurassic Park heralded a revolution in movies as profound as the coming of sound in 1927. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge freaking deal, man. Yes. It's mm -hmm. a big deal. Jurassic Park has also brought about a dinosaur revolution with films and documentaries such as the American adaptation of Godzilla, Dinosaur from the Deep, Carnosaur, Dinosaur Island, and the Walking with Dinosaurs series. Many aspiring filmmakers saw Jurassic Park and realized that their visions were finally possible. Just like Dragonheart. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. From George Lucas to Peter Jackson to a young director that we don't even know yet, Jurassic Park inspired many to create new films and revisit existing ones and bring them to a new audience with new effects that were akin to magic. And I, and I specifically mentioned Peter Jackson there because mm -hmm. one of the big influences to making Jurassic Park was King Kong. Mm -hmm. And Jurassic Park had yep. influence on Peter Jackson to make his version of King Kong yes. later. Ah, yes. So it's this perfect little balance, yes. as all things should be. And there's that little Easter egg in the movie where Dr. Ian Malcolm says, who are they keeping in there? King Kong? Yeah. The, the gate is <laughs> yeah. a big reference. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. So let's get into some little fun facts. Yay! The funnest facts. Originally, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Arnold, was supposed to have an on-screen death. He was to be found by the raptors while trying to restart the power to the park. However, due to Hurricane Iniki hitting Hawaii, Jackson could not make it to the set for the shoot. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember learning a little bit about this. We, we did an episode about uh, Samuel L. Jackson for another show. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he had a full on, actually, uh, in this scene, Ellie, when she, you know, the scene where she finds his arm. Mm-hmm. She has a limp, and yeah. part of it had to do with the fact that when they were shooting, he they were she was also supposed to find his leg. Yeah, and I believe she tripped over his leg, and that was what gave her the limp. Yes, and and so we don't really see that happen. Yeah, uh, she's just all of a sudden limping. Yeah, 
Yeah, because yep. he had a leg and an arm mm-hmm. uh, that was found. And that also kind of made more sense as to how she knew it was him. Because I remember yeah. being a kid and being like, well, how do you how do you know? <laughs> how do you know that's it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, there were several people that worked there. I mean, yeah. He could have been it's somebody weird, else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Spielberg changed the ending of the movie while on set shooting the original ending. In the original, the hanging dinosaur skeletons were going to simply fall on the raptors, killing them. But Spielberg felt that the T-Rex was the true star of the movie and needed to make a return one more time to save the day. I can see the poetic reasons for the first ending with the dinosaurs of the old world, the originals. Yeah. You know, and killing the ones that, you know, exist unnaturally in our Mm -hmm. world now. But, but this is such a better ending. Yeah. It is like it's so much more entertaining. So mm-hmm. iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was right to change it. Yeah. yeah. I just hope that it wasn't too much of a headache oh. to change. Yeah. It's like, Everybody's okay. like, oh no. Remember the the guy who was doing all of the uh yes. practical destruction? Oh, like, yeah. okay. I need you to change it to instead of it falling, I yeah. need it to like slam to the side. Yeah. And yep. smash all over the stairs. And then, like, <laughs> so figure that okay. out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. He, say, he tells him while he's under the car rigging up oh the guitar string. He's yeah. like, hey, yeah. hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey. How's, how's you know going? that thing you spent hours on yesterday? <laughs> it's gone. We're, uh... Yeah. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> when the actors were filming on set, Spielberg would make dinosaur sounds in the megaphone as a stand-in for the real sounds added later. That, oh, that's cool. That's so, so great. <laughs> Fay Ray, who appeared in the 1933 King Kong, visited the set of Jurassic Park. There is footage of Spielberg complimenting her on having the greatest movie scream. It's really Aww. cute. Yeah. So, do you guys have any remaining thoughts? I could go on for you hours. Could go on. <laughs> I could just run through the whole movie we gotta right cut now. It, man. Yeah, but I that's won't. True. I won't subject yeah. you guys to that. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's just so many things you can say about this movie. Yeah. It's so fun, so entertaining, groundbreaking. It's just a, I don't know. It, it's it's a great movie to watch in like a summer afternoon, mm-hmm. and it's so I we we've really talked about pretty much. Most of the things that mm-hmm. I would say, um, except we didn't really go through the plot of it. And, yeah. you know, we didn't get to touch on the whole life finds a way part, you know, at the beginning yeah. of the movie where, you know, <laughs> Dr. Grant sits in the helicopter and he can't get his seatbelt to work because uh, he has two yes. female, quote two unquote, female. female ends. Uh. And then he ties them together. And then all of the dinosaurs in the park are females. Just symbolism like that. It's very beautiful. Yeah. The music couldn't be talked about enough. Oh, honestly, I love the end. Just this very introspective ending. Yeah. Like there's nothing really over about it. They they just they get away, and that's it's done for them. But the park is still. Yeah. So there's still a gigantic mess. Yeah. Left there, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's just them riding off, and just like that, you know, it's. The difference between when they got there and when they left Mm -hmm. and that juxtaposition, but even with the same music, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're just different people now. And it's just such an interesting, it's such an an interesting way to end the movie and it's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful way to end it. Yeah. And I love the line of 
where Alan's getting into the Jeep as they're about to drive away from the yeah. visitor center. And he's like, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. <laughs> John Hammer goes, so have I. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yeah, like you said, they've really changed over the yeah. course of this movie. And it's, yep. it's incredible to watch it all happen. Mm-hmm. On June 11th, 1993, the world witnessed dinosaurs as they had never been seen before. Audiences everywhere were delighted and terrified as characters that they had come to know and love desperately tried to escape Jurassic Park. It wouldn't take long to realize the absolute magnitude of the film. Producers, directors, writers, special effects artists, and everyone else involved in the movie industry took notice, reworking projects to incorporate a level of CGI that no one thought possible. Jurassic Park is monstrously entertaining. It takes the cautionary lessons and horror of science fiction classics like Frankenstein and adds dinosaurs. What more can you ask for? (laughs) We can't say it enough. This film changed cinema forever. It reclaimed the magic that audiences experienced when they met the fearsome classics like The Lost World and King Kong. And that is a feat as enormous as a T-Rex itself. All right. Yes. We did it. Yay. Woohoo. Now oh. we never have to talk about this again. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> I will never stop talking about this movie, and I can't wait to bring it up next week. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. That is going to be a case closed. That was Very pretty good. Cool. That was pretty good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it did sound like us closing a case. Like, it, yeah, yeah, you get it. <laughs> yes. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's why we do that. Right. That is, you know. But before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, Jaron, and... And... Our latest... Brad. 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 Welcome, Brad. Hello, Brad. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. And thank you to all who support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you. Thank you. It means the world to us. It, does. it really does. And I hope everybody on Patreon enjoyed the long version of this episode. That's yes. right. All so, right. thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> After careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. So have I.